we're starting a new series uh, this Sunday. It's just a three-part series, and it really, I believe, is going to minister strongly to a whole bunch of people who feel that you may be at the end of your rope. Uh, that you may feel that I just can't take it anymore. And we're going to be looking at a passage over these three weeks where actually the Apostle Paul says that he was at the end of his rope. So we're going to put up on the screen, if you have your Bibles, uh, uh, you can read along with us from 1 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 2, verses 17. Paul wrote this, he said, brothers and sisters, and he's writing to his brothers and sisters in the city of Thessalonica. It was a city we mentioned last Sunday in our Easter message that they actually, in the middle of persecution, the report that Paul had been getting, Paul was stuck over in Athens, Greece, and, uh, but the reports that were coming to Athens were that, man, even despite the fact that these were new believers, this new little church, that they were actually surviving and thriving even in the midst of persecution. But you're going to see uh, these brothers and sisters that Paul is writing to, he was pretty concerned for their long-term well-being and are they going to really make it through this long-term. So he says, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Now that's a fascinating little little comment that he deposits right in there, that it was actually Satan that blocked their way of getting from Athens back to Thessalonica to minister and to encourage. We're going to come back to that statement uh, a couple of weeks from now and talk more about it. But then he picks up again in uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, and he says this, So when we could stand it no longer... In fact, why don't you just say those words right, right along with Paul. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we were destined for them. What? He says, yes, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, he says it again, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid, Paul saying, man, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. 
But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. What we find here is this really fascinating story about Paul and his team being stuck in Athens about 300 miles away from his friends in Thessalonica. And it put them into distress. Paul twice here says that we can stand it no longer. In another translation, the uh, ESV version says that when we could no longer endure it. I mean, these, this is a picture of strong believers. I mean, when you think of like the list of strong believers who have ever walked this earth, I think Apostle, the Apostle Paul would be right up there near the top of the list. I mean, when you read through some of the things that he endured, I mean, being beat, being shipwrecked, I mean, just, you know, left for dead, all these different things he did because of his faith and his love for Jesus and his determination that I have got to get the, the love of Jesus out into the world. Man, he faced all kinds of things. This was a strong man of God. And when a, when a strong individual in the Lord, man, says, I could no longer stand it. I just could come to the end of my rope. You're, you know that you're looking at a really interesting story here. I believe that this is a story that it should inform our stories. I believe that, that we are, many of us, going through similar situations in our lives, especially at the end of this, this year that we've all had together, that we've endured together. So many different reasons that many of us could say, we can stand it no longer. We feel that we're at the end of our rope. You know, so just thinking about this past year, there has been a pandemic. And you know what that pandemic has done? Much like in this story right here, it separated us from other people. You know, like those people that you would have wanted to go and be with and like actually like look into their eyes, not just through a computer screen, but where you could just, you know, touch, grab their shoulders and hold their hand and be with them. And much of that had been stripped away from us. For some people, even wearing masks and, and, and having to socially distance is like a real hardship. You know, I mean, like it really has rocked you emotionally, relationally, maybe even spiritually because of the mandates that are all on us because of this pandemic. And if the pandemic wasn't enough, then we also know that we've got to deal with the political world that we have also all endured during this past year. And it's very likely that some of the people that were elected during this past year were not the ones that you would have preferred. And there may be even some policy and some laws being put forward that you would not have recommended. And I would be with you on that. And not only, not only you know, is there pandemic and politics, but it seems like even in, our, in our, our, just our greater culture, it seems like there are more and more voices that are kind of taking over, that are shouting out their message that is in direct opposition to God and his word. It's like, man, there are days when it's like, 
Lord, I don't know how much more of this that I can take. I don't know, can I stand it anymore? Or am I at the end of my rope? Besides things that are happening out there in the world, there's things that, that really impact us very personally as well. And I know that there are many that are enduring all kinds of your own personal challenges during these days. You know, whether it's with work, whether it's with your health, whether it's with your finances, whether it's with a relationship that has become particularly strained. All these things can push us toward that brink where we feel that we just can't take it anymore. And then we also have to acknowledge with great sorrow and with empathy that we all know people who didn't just be kind of get drugged to the brink, but actually have somehow been pushed right over the brink during this last year. You know, because we can see the results in people's lives. You know, people that have been drawn into deep despair and depression, other forms of just mental hardship and anguish. We see people that have uh, taken different forms of self-harm onto themselves, you know, all the way to the point of suicide. We hear those things. We see those things. We have some of those stories in our family. There's other people that maybe they haven't harmed themselves, but they've harmed other people. Just out of their own pain and frustration that they have lashed out. And we see those things in personal stories as well as splashed across the headlines on the news of people that have chosen to harm others. There's lots of people who have turned in their pain to forms of self-medication. You know, trying to mask their own pain by taking it upon themselves to find ways to try to make themselves somehow be able to manage one more day because they just could not take it anymore. And unfortunately, there are people who have walked away from the Lord during these days because they have become so caught up with how could there be a God that loves me and yet I still feel the way I do and so have walked even away from the Lord because people have come to the end of themselves. They have come to the end of their rope where it's like, I just don't know if I could go on anymore. So when we come to the end of our rope, what can we do? What options are there other than just letting go of the rope and just woo, falling off into the abyss and into darkness? You know, are there some spiritual strategies that we can employ, that we could use to actually move forward, maybe climb back up that rope and not fall into the darkness, but actually say, I am going to fight with God's strength through these seasons, through this really difficult season and move back up to where God would want me. And I believe that even in this story, yes, there are those spiritual strategies. So we're gonna take three weeks and look at three different things that I believe were employed by um, the Apostle Paul and his friends when they felt that they could stand it no more. The very first thing we're gonna look at today, and it's where Paul said in uh, chapter three, verse one, when he said, 
when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best. Interesting little phrase there. It's like when they could take it no more, the first thing that they did was they didn't go to prayer immediately. Now, we're going to get to prayer in this, uh, these spiritual strategies. We're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks. But the interesting thing here is that he says, when we could stand in a lark, we thought it best. Like, you know what they did when they, when they realized we're at the end of our rope? They had a team meeting. And they said, we are going to think deep and hard about this situation. We are going to analyze this with the, the minds that God gave us and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're going to sit down and we're going to have a team meeting. Have you ever had a team meeting? Have you ever had a huddle with your family and said, hey, we need to talk about this problem that we're facing? Have you ever done that at work? where you've gotten the minds together and said, we need to think about the situation that we are now confronting. And that's exactly what Paul and his little missionary band did. It says that they thought, they thought it best. When faced with situations that are stressing us out, I believe that we need to ask the question, why am I feeling this way? And there's some notes there. Hopefully you've got a, a pen. You can, you can uh, don't, don't pass it around to another family, but use that pen. You can take notes here through this. Think there's some things you're gonna wanna note down and then reflect on later. But we need to ask the question, why am I feeling the way I am? Why, why am I feeling so stressed? Why do I feel right here that I'm at the end of my rope? I believe that that is a more difficult question to ask than we would initially realize. Because when we are in places of real frustration, when we feel we've come to the end of our rope, oftentimes our mental powers are a little bit clouded by emotion. It's like we get kind of get we kind of get stressed brain. And it's like, don't ask me why. Don't you know I'm just mad. I am just, I mean, if you only knew my boss, you'd understand. If you only knew my spouse, if you'd only know, if you only knew the kids that God gave me or that neighbor, right? You know, it's like if you, then you would just understand why I am so frustrated. And what, what happens when we do that is we actually don't trace back the root of the problem. We just kind of get into that stress brain, almost that fight or flight mentality where it's just like, I'm just stressed out, just leave me alone, right? Just leave me alone in my stress at the end of my little rope. And it's good to recognize, you know, hey, we are in a place of pain, a place of uh, frustration and stress, but, but knowing that I'm in a place of stress is not necessarily going to take us to that next stage where we can actually begin to address the root problems. So we've got to go deeper to the heart of the issue. And there is one thing that I believe over my years of ministry and just my years of life that I have come to a conclusion on, and I believe that it is happening in the narrative of this story, but I'm going to give you words and layer it over the story we just read because you're not going to see these words in the story. 
But I believe this is so important. I believe this is part of what they were even doing when they had their team meeting, their little missionary huddle. I believe that what we need to do to help us dig deeper and to get to the heart of the matter is to interrogate our expectations. Interrogate our expectations. Now, if you've ever served with me on a team here at the Santa Maria Force Corps Church, you know that one of the things we talk about a lot as a staff is making sure that we are clear about what the expectations are. If you're at work, if you're in your home, if you're in a relationship and there are expectations that are out there, but they're not really clear, right? Mom has one expectation. Dad may have another. The kids are definitely got their own set of expectations. Anytime there's people that are working together and there's unclear expectations, I can promise you that trouble is afoot that it is only going to take a matter of time before the wheels begin to fall off when people are operating with different sets of expectations. I believe one of the clearest things that we can do that help, can help us move forward when we find ourselves in these stressful situations, when we apply our minds to the issue that we're facing, is to interrogate our expectations And the next thing in your notes there, I really believe highlights why it's so important to interrogate them. And here's why. Because it is our unmet expectations that cause frustration. It is when our expectations of what, this is the way life should work. This is the way God should show up in my situation. We should be able to, just get on our little donkeys from Athens and go to Thessalonica. Whatever the expectations are, when they go unmet, guess what happens? Our frustration level rises. Our stress level increases when expectations go unmet. But if we never clarify our expectations, what are the expectations are I'm really operating under right now? We won't get at the heart of this. And so we can live in this stressed sense of living through all of these things, pandemics and politics and all these kinds of things, when we are, are not clear about what are my expectations for life and how God's going to show up in my story. I believe it is always true that unmet expectations cause frustration. You know, it's like with our children, right? Frustrated with my kids. Why? I told them to clean the living room. And I expected them to do it. Come back five minutes later, living room is still a disaster. I am frustrated, right? I'm frustrated with my boss. Why? Because when I went to her, I expected her to listen to my complaints. Yeah, she didn't give me that time. I am frustrated. I'm frustrated with the government. Why? Because I expected them to put the policies and laws into place that I would prefer. I am a, so I'm, I'm frustrated because my expectation is that they wouldn't be putting government together in the way that they're doing. It's frustrating to me. I'm frustrated with God. Why? Because I, I expected him to get me out of the mess that I'm in. 
Or how about this? I'm frustrated with myself because I expected that I would be stronger than I am. And when faced with difficulties and stresses that I would not have responded with anger, with anxiety, with depression. I'm frustrated with myself. I thought I was gonna be stronger than this. I thought I was gonna be able to handle a pandemic. You know, I thought I was gonna be able to handle the different situations that have happened both out there in the world and in my own personal story. And so we can go, we can grow frustrated, but always we're able to find out where these expectations lie and we'll find out that they're always at the root of our frustrations. You're frustrated? You can always, if you interrogate it well, you can always interrogate those expectations and find out what is at the root of what is happening in my story. And it's important that we interrogate them because just because we have an expectation does not mean that it is a valid expectation. That is not always the case at all. And when we're dealing with expectations that are really not valid, guess what happens? They will lead us into harmful and unnecessary stress in our, in our lives. If, if, if there, it's not a valid expectation, it's just gonna create this friction and this mess in our stories. So when we interrogate our expectations, when we really wrestle them down and analyze them, it gives us three different choices then of how we are going to respond to those expectations. We can either keep them, we can toss them, or we can adjust them. So let's like dive a little deeper into each of those three for a moment so you can understand what to do with this expectation that I'm holding on to. Number one, we may decide that we want to keep that expectation because it's healthy it's strong, it's in alignment with God's word. It's like, yes, that's a really, really good expectation. Like take, for instance, forgiveness. When I mess up, if I confess my mess to God, he will always forgive me. Man, that is a profound expectation that we should have. I mean, the no matter how bad I blow it, God is always going to welcome me back. It doesn't matter how deep I fell, I let go of that rope, I went sailing down into darkness. But when I come to Jesus, and I, it says when I confess my sin, God, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I mean, so man, when we, when we have an expectation like that, that like, no, this is, this is real, this is healthy, this is important, and it's my expectation that God's gonna forgive me no matter what. How about God's presence in our lives? God, no matter what I am, no matter how difficult the hardship that I'm encountering right now in this moment, that when I reach out to you, you will always be there, you are always present, you never ever leave me. 
So even when I don't feel it, God, you're here. Man, that is such an important expectation to have of the way God works in our lives. That we aren't always going to see him. We aren't going to always feel the warm fuzzies. We're not always, there are going to be times like Paul, where like we feel like we're at the end of ourselves, but we can know this. And my expectation is that when I reach out to the Lord, he is right here. The kingdom of God is at hand. I can reach out and grab a hold of the Lord because he is present. But there's other expectations that we just need to toss. When we wrestle with them, when we interrogate them, when we find out that it's like this is a false, like illegitimate, unvalid expectation, we actually need to like throw it out of our stories. For instance, I'm a child of God. So the enemy can't mess with me. Oh, really? Really? Have you read scripture? Because even right here in this story, and I said we're going to come back to this comment in a couple of weeks, but when Paul says that Satan blocked our way of getting through to these precious new believers to encourage them during the season of trial, when, when, when Paul, the apostle Paul is saying that hell stopped us, that, and he doesn't go into details. It kind of leaves it to our imagination, whether, whether hell was using other people, the government, the military, sickness, other things, we, we don't know. But, but Paul was really clear that whatever was going on, he discerned in his spirit, this is not just natural, this is hellish. There is spiritual warfare going on here. And if we think that because we're God's kids that we're not going to experience spiritual warfare and that hell isn't going to try to mess with your life and your success and your story and your flourishing and your money and your all these things, we're a little crazy. And when we come to the realization, like, wow, I was operating under a, a false wrong expectation, we need to like, yeah, we, we need to like say that just needs to hit the trash right now. God, I, I need to recognize that there is going to be times when hell is going to press its ugly face right into mine and I'm gonna have to be ready for that. Listen, when we expect that, it changes things because when we start to confront issues and stresses and, and, like, and pain in our lives, we can just recognize, oh, okay. God said it was gonna be like this. Right? God said it was going to be like this. Listen, there's other times, though, we don't just keep an expectation or toss an expectation. There's other times we need to adjust our expectations. Because when we really interrogate it, we find out that, like, you know, at the root of what I was going for here was actually really good and healthy. But there's something that needs to change in this expectation in order so it can line up with reality. You know, let's go back to talking about our children right here. An expectation uh, might start as, I expect my children to behave perfectly. I think my children, they should never cause me, right, any reason for concern. Or, I mean, they should just live, they should, my expectation is perfection. When we realize that wasn't true in my story, and I don't know if there's any perfect children, that we need to like make an adjustment on that because I think a good expectation is that, you know what? 
my children should always be respectful and that they should be growing in their obedience. No, I mean, so they, they should be respectful at all, at all times. You know, we're not going to lower expectations about, no, they can be disrespectful some of the time. No, that's, that's not a healthy expectation either. We should toss that. Kids should be respectful. But they're, they're going to be growing in their ability to lock on to what's important and to move in those directions. There's going to be growth that we're going to be seeing. And they're not going to be perfect all the time. Maybe our expectation is that, you know, because I love God that I should not face hardship. But what we, we shift that to is we shift and we make an adjustment to that, saying that I am going to face hard times, that God said that I would face hard times, but even in those times, he is present and that I can grow through those hard times. To where James says, hey, count it, all joy when you face hardships. Because guess what? It's through those hardships that ultimately you're going to be able to move to maturity. And so it's like we make this, these adjustments saying like, okay, no, I will have some hardships, but, but those hardships can be used spiritually, strategically by the Lord in my life to help me grow and to realize that he's present with me even when I am experiencing pain and challenge. So much of what Jesus did in his earthly ministry was helping people like you and me realize that their expectations of life and of God were either inaccurate or incomplete. I mean, we can just trace back the work of Jesus and so much of what he did was helping people realize, yeah, you know what? The way you're viewing God and the way you're viewing life is really incomplete. If you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, one of just the, the, this kind of pinnacle teaching of Jesus, you can find that in Matthew chapter five and six. Over and over again, you know what Jesus is gonna say? He's gonna say, you've heard it said, dot, 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 but let me tell you the way it really works. What was Jesus doing? He was clarifying expectations. He said, listen, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. Yeah, that's, that, that's my expectation. As long as I'm not actually committing adultery, I'm okay with God and in life. I'm gonna be a healthy human being if I don't commit adultery in the sight of God. Jesus says, hmm. You've heard that, but let me tell you that anyone who looks with lust at another has actually committed adultery in their heart. Oh, well, that, that, that changes a whole lot. Because I may have never, like, actually done the deed, but boy, that deed has been on repeat in his brain of mine a whole lot. Oh, so maybe that means that I'm actually not as healthy as I thought I was. Maybe there's some alignment that needs to happen in my life because Jesus did that over and over again through his teachings. Why, why was it important for Jesus to do that? Why was it important for Jesus to address expectations that we would have about life and about him? Why, why was it important for him to do that? On your notes there, you'll see Matthew uh, 
uh, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, when Jesus said these words, he said, come to me, all you who are at the end of your rope. (laughs) Come to me, all of you who just can't take it anymore. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do what? Learn from me. Let me help you adjust your expectations and realize which ones are healthy to hold on to, which ones need to be tossed. And you're gonna find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, when Jesus speaks this, and it's a promise, right? Come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. I want you to realize that is like, that's a conditional promise. Because in order to get the rest, what do I have to do? Come to him. But when we come to him, who are we coming to? Are we coming to the real, true God? Or are we coming to some imaginary, kind of mythical construct that we have put together in our own head where we have kind of created God in our own image or to meet our needs? And he's more like, you know, like the genie in the bottle rather than the God of the universe who came to earth to sacrifice himself for our sin, not to take away every hardship that we may encounter, but to bring us to life eternal, life that is not only experienced in the here and now, but life that will go on with him forever. Listen, when he says, come to me, it's really important that we would have clear understanding and expectations about who God really is. He's not my genie in a bottle. Prayer is not rubbing the lantern and making the genie pop out and say, now do this, do this, and do this. Prayer is somehow taking all of our situations and bringing them under his lordship and saying, God, act, break through. But God, no matter what happens... I am pressing through in you because you are my strength. You are my shield. We need to have clear expectations, friends. And if we don't, guess what happens? When we're not coming to who God truly is, uh, the rest that we're promised in him is not going to be present like he said. When we go to a God who is a God of our own making, we're gonna find that there is just more stress because we thought God was one way and we were leaning into these expectations and guess what? Unmet expectations cause frustration. Always, always, always. So what can we do? What, what, what can we do? I wanna, I wanna leave you just with a few things that actually that even this week, you can begin to take these things and, and, and run with them and say, here's an area that I have been experiencing stress where I've felt at the end of my rope. Here's three things that we can use to help get our thoughts straight. 
Number one, we need to arrest our expectations. We need to arrest them. Check this out. Before you can interrogate, you've got to make an arrest. Right? You've watched enough cop shows to realize that before the interrogation happens, you need to arrest. So what do you have to do? You actually have to chase down these expectations and like wrestle them to the ground and put cuffs on them. You have to actually take your story and go, what was my real expectation here? Why am I frustrated? Why am I feeling this way? And then analyze it to the point where you can then say, okay, I, I really believe that my expectation was this right here. And, and, and I'm going to arrest it. I'm going to own it. I would, ta- I would suggest journal a bit. Write it down. And you know what? I think my expectation and the reason I've been so frustrated is because of this. And then maybe share it with a friend. Share it with your spouse. Share it with someone that you trust. And say, you know what? I believe that the reason I've been so stressed because here is my expectation. Then the second thing that we do is to interrogate those expectations. Come to that point of realizing, okay, all right, you expectation, are you healthy and right so that I can like keep hold of you? Or do I need to throw you right into the trash can because you're really not helpful at all? Or do I need to make some adjustment to that expectation to bring it into alignment with reality in the way that God said that life would work? So that's the second thing. We First, we arrest it, then we interrogate it. And then here's the, the, the last thing. We need to study God's word. We need to study God's word. Become a student of the Bible to become really a student of ourselves. You know, the, I, the best way to move toward true self-awareness is by becoming aware of what God said he is like and what life would be like. We say that again. The greatest way that you can come to self-awareness is by becoming more aware of who God said you are and who God said he is. I believe that when we do these kinds of things, that we are going to be able to come to Jesus, the true Jesus, the real Jesus. And you know what's gonna happen? We are going to be able to find rest for our souls. And perhaps that rope at the end, that we're at the end of, that we're gonna find that God is stretching that rope, giving us a little bit more resilience that we thought that we had before, that we would be able to endure a little bit longer. And you know what? Actually be able to do this and begin to climb back up to that place of health and resilience where we go from being stressed to really that place of finding rest in him. We're gonna step into a time of ministry both in worship, Kaylin, if you'd come and lead. And then we're gonna open it up to have a time of prayer where our ministry team is gonna come because I believe that there are people that need to partner with someone in prayer. To say, hey, I have been at the end of my rope in in whatever situation it may be. And where, where you would say, you know what, would you just begin to pray with me that God would be able to reveal to me 
maybe some expectations that need to go or to be reinforced or to be adjusted. Jesus, we step into these moments, Lord, fully anticipating, Lord, that your word is true and that as we come to you, we will find rest for our souls. In your name, Jesus.